Welcome to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers to provide you with tips, tactics, and strategies so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. I'm your host, Kerry Shumway, a CPA, CFO for a brewery, and a former CFO for a beer distributor. I've spent the last 20 years using finance to improve financial results in our beer business. Now I'm helping other craft breweries to do the same. Are you ready to take your brewery financial results to the next level? Okay, let's get started. On today's podcast, I talk with Larry Chase. Larry served for eight years on the board of directors for the Brewers Association as treasurer and brew pub representative, and he spent 20 years as a brewer. So we're going to talk about brewery finances. We're going to talk about these in the context of open book management, of which Larry is also an expert. We get into financial planning, business planning, uh, financial review process, key metrics that you can follow, and Larry's favorite industry publications. So for now, please enjoy this conversation with Larry Chase. Hey, Larry, welcome to the podcast. Hey, good to see you, Kerry. Good to see you as well. So for folks who may not be familiar with you, why don't you give us a bit of your background? My background? Well, I'm going to start with my foreground because what I've learned is that looking forward is always better than the the rearview mirror to see where you're going. Uh, so, you know, right now when, when companies want to, uh, really build out a culture of ownership, uh, in their company that involves trust, that involves a lot of high employee involvement. And also with that, they're, they're looking to really improve their financial performance, whether that's more consistent, uh, profitability or actually getting to profitability in the first place. Um, and so really impacting those financials positively, well, that's what I help them do. And, and we do that by open, uh, helping them put in place an, op, an open book management operating system. Um, now, people hear that, and I often say, well, in reality, it's, it's really a people operating system. Because what we do is we change behavior and we educate and we empower. And, and so that's really all about people. Uh, and so, so that's what I do now. And, and I do it. Breweries are definitely uh, people who I like to work with because this gets to the rearview mirror now, my past. Um, I was a brewer for 23, 24 years. Uh, I got my start back in 1997. Uh, and I got into the brewing world because of flavor. I loved the flavor of beer. And I was really curious, how do you get all of that flavor into beer? So as a scientist by na- uh, training, I have a biology degree, chemistry degree, started researching and I, I landed an assistant brewing job and, and boom, you know, 23 years later, you know, the, the world, you know, there, there was a lot of things that happened in that time. So mostly brew pubs is where I worked. I was a department of one in most of my jobs where you get to do it all, uh, which meant I learned a lot about restaurants too. Never intended uh, to learn a lot about restaurants. In fact, I can even remember an early job that was at a, a little 50s diner donut shop. And when I was done with that summer job after high school, I said, I'm never going to work in a restaurant again. And then what did I do? For 23 years, I worked in restaurants. 
right? Because brew pubs really are restaurant first that happen to have a manufacturing facility making beer. Uh, so I learned a lot about the restaurant industry uh, as well. Uh, I served uh, eight years on the Brewers Association Board of Directors uh, as a brew pub representative. I was fabulous. And, you know, I, we talk about open book management and financials. It seems like every organization that I've ever been a part of, my penchant for financials and interest in it always leads to me being the treasurer of the organization. And that's what happened at the VA board. Uh, I was uh, treasurer of the, the board for six of those eight years and chaired the finance committee where we did a lot of work. We put together a cost of goods sold manual that is still used widely uh, within the industry. Uh, and I did a lot of work to help development develop investment policy statements for the Brewers Association for them to better manage their long-term assets. Uh, so financials have always been interesting to me, and that's really what led me to this next stage of my career of taking this concept of financials and how do we bring that down to the individual employee in an organization where they can understand the business and they can become essentially business people and they see how what they do every single day in their role impacts the success of the business. Uh, that excites me, right? Because it's about developing great culture uh, and it's about uh, helping people grow. Uh, so I've, I've probably gone well beyond my background, but anyway, that's, that's some of my, where I'm going now and where I've been in the past. Good stuff. No, I appreciate it. And, and I'm sure the listeners appreciate hearing all that because it's, you know, it sort of sets the context for what we're about to talk about. It's, you know, you've got all this experience, you know, hands-on practical experience brewing beer and working in a restaurant and then learning about the financials and then how everything kind of is connected, right? And then being able to kind of take that knowledge of both sides of it, you know, working it and then work and then seeing the numbers and, and, and seeing how they, uh, you know, they kind of fit together. So, so with that, let's talk about, um, this is our brewery finance series. You know, we're going to talk about financial planning, business planning, and so forth. So I want to start with financial planning and, you know, take this either from the context of open book management or your past experience. Um, how do you approach financial planning or how would you guide a brewery owner or, you know, accounting person to, to think about that? What does the team look like? What are the tools that you recommend? What sort of timing in terms of starting and, and finishing a plan? Take and take that wherever you'd like, but really the financial planning, what does that look like in your, in your mind? Sure. So it's, it's not a one-time thing. It's, it's not that this, it, it happens at this specific time of year and then we're done. It, it's really, uh, it's a year long process that just constantly repeats itself. Uh, one of the things we talk about in the great game of business uh, is uh, it's, it's high involvement planning and there's different things that happen throughout the year. And part of the reason behind the term high involvement is that eventually everybody in the company is going to be at some level involved in creating that financial plan. So, you know, what goes into a financial plan? Well, you got to kind of know what your strategy for growth is, what's your long-term, you know, look like. Uh, you've got to have a sales and marketing plan, right, in terms of understanding where's that revenue uh, going to come in at. 
and, and from all of that, you can create a yearly financial plan uh, and maybe longer. So one of the things that happens in high involvement planning, especially in an open book company, is that a lot of these things are happening throughout the year at set times. Um, whether it's the, the sales and marketing team is working to really create what does that plan for them look like uh, in the coming year. That transfers over to other people on the financial side of the company. Uh, and you get involvement from people in all departments. And probably where I say everybody at some point has a, has a hand in this is the high involvement is that at a certain point in the year and you know, pick your date, is it, is it October, is it November, but companies that are really doing this well, they will have a presentation in front of the entire company. So all of the employees get to sit down and the different departments are going to present that sales and marketing plan for the coming year. They're going to present that financial plan as well. And to an extent, you're kind of selling it to the employees because one of the things that happens then is that you take a poll and you're looking for confidence. How much confidence do employees have in this plan that has been put together? And if the confidence comes back high based on the way that employees respond, then you know you've got a solid plan. And if they've seen that plan and they've got confidence in it, you're going to be able to easily move forward with helping to make that plan happen in the future. Now, what happens if there isn't confidence? Right. What, what if uh, what if 45, 65 percent of your employees kind of give the thumbs down and say, uh, I, I based off what I see in my role, I, this I'm not confident that we're going to make this happen as a company. You got to go back to the, you, you don't go back to square one, but you certainly got to go back to the drawing board and rethink and you got to ask questions. Now, part of that confidence level, though, is that you've given employees already financial education, you've helped them understand how the business operates. So they're not just making this confidence vote, you know, out of nowhere. They've already seen what you're doing as a company. They, they already understand how you make a profit. So that's where that high involvement comes in, in terms of financial planning and how you might look at it. Um, from a marketing point, uh, somebody who works in the finance department, CEO level. Uh, it's an ongoing thing that never stops. Mm, I love that. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I think that historically, when we think about financial plans or budgets, it has a fixed beginning and end, and then you sort of set it and forget it, and then people know about it or they don't. But the fact that, you know, open book, and you don't necessarily have to go full open book in order to get the benefits of what you're saying. If it's an ongoing process that gives you the chance to kind of, you know, iterate and improve and learn things as you go. But the high involvement planning is very cool because then, then you're really getting all these different perspectives um, and, you're, and you're getting that buy-in and you're getting, you know, different uh, inputs from places you may not ordinarily get them. I mean, I've been involved with budgets where it's just the finance person creating a plan and, you know, everybody else is like, where the heck did this come from? 
So those, those two concepts that you just raised, ongoing planning and high involvement, I think are really critical. So that's, that's great. Those are good, really good takeaways. So let's talk, let's yeah, shift, a, let, let's shift a little and talk about sort of the business planning. So in my experience, and I'd love to hear your take on this, but from a business plan um, in a financial plan, sometimes the, never the two shall meet. You know, sometimes we do the business plan and we do the financial plan and there may, there may not be any overlap. What does business planning look like maybe within the context of open book management? Um, how often is that plan updated and how does that get maybe synced up to the financial plan? Uh, you know, from a standpoint of um, open, open book management, one of the things that we talk about is the, the critical number. And the critical number is what is that, what is that number that if you don't address it, it's going to be detrimental to the health or even the viability of your company. Um, for a lot of companies starting out, we talk about that critical number as being some form of, pro- some form of profit, whether it's uh, EBITDA or simply profit before tax. And so identifying that critical number can then really drive how you plan your business and how you plan your financials, um, both around people who are in your organization, how you look at your marketing, um, how you look at your sales. uh, And when you focus on that critical number that has to be achieved, it really helps to provide guidance for all other areas of the business in terms of what is important for everybody to focus on. And you can, you can get to that critical number, you know, by doing internal work to say, Hey, this is what's, this is what's got to be priority for us. Yeah, absolutely. That's great. And it really simplifies it. We talk a lot about financial shorthand, because it's mm-hmm. this, for some people, it's hard to digest a two or three page income statement. But if you're talking about a number and a number that's relevant to the individual that's looking at it, you know, whether that's department specific or, or otherwise, it's a really nice way to kind of communicate that key information so people can see, you know, what are we really focused on? Because we get distracted, right? There's so many, so many other priorities that pop out. So I love that. Big fan of the critical number myself. So let's let's talk about um, let's talk about software a little bit because I love software. I don't know if you do. Do you love software, Larry? Oh, I've got a great pillow. Yeah, that <laughs> I love. Okay. Well, tell me about what it, like maybe in your experience or what you've maybe learned from being on the BA board or working with other breweries. What, what sort of software do you see out there that that may be useful for for breweries as they're trying to implement good financial plans and practices? Sure. I, you know, my brewing career was always brew pubs. And so we were never large enough to really dive into software. So a lot of Excel spreadsheets, right. For us, uh, we might've had a, I think one brewery I worked at, we had a, a cost of, um, an inventory cost of goods sold software. It was, I, I don't even remember what it was. It was kind of janky too. So I wouldn't have even recommended it to anybody. Um, for what I've seen in some of the clients who I've worked with, um, I know that a lot of brewers are really gravitating uh, towards Ecos, 
Uh, and I've got one uh, client who is switching from uh, another provider to Ecos. Um, and, and actually, I'll say a second client who's switching from a, even a different uh, software company out there to Ecos. So this, this isn't necessarily an Ecos um, you know, promotion because I don't, I don't use it, but I'm just kind of reporting what I've seen out there. Um, in terms of what companies are using, uh, I've used none of it. Uh, so uh, I do know that I was always, as a brew pub brewer, looking for some software that would help me track my brewing process mm-hmm. and help me get a better, have a better da- database of a lot of the information that I had. Mm-hmm. And I think certainly back in the early 2000s, it just wasn't out there, wasn't available. And I think there's a lot more options out there now uh, than when I was actively looking for it, but I'm not really familiar with um, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Well, let's shift then and talk about, we talked about the financial plan, the business plan, how they kind of come together, critical numbers. How, let's talk about the financial review process. So you create the plan and then life happens, right? Your actual business results start coming in you start comparing to the plan. What does, what does that typically look like? How do you, you know, work with brewery clients or in your experience, what, what does that financial review process look like from your perspective? Sure. So one of the things that is uh, very, that's, I'll say that is new to people when they do start getting into open book management and specifically along the lines of the great game of business. Uh, there's a term out there that a lot of companies will say, yeah, we're open book. Uh, and then you start digging in and it turns out that what they really are is open book reporting. Mm. Meaning that they will definitely, they have no qualms about showing the PL income statement to their employees, although it may only be management level. Yet that's all they do is they make it available, right? They don't really teach about what it means. They don't teach about how uh, employees can impact it or affect the numbers on it. Because really, what you know, so what happens a lot of people think, well, who creates the numbers? Oh, the accountants back there in the back office, they're they're creating all those numbers. When in reality, it's the people doing the work day in and day out. They're the ones who are creating the numbers. They're the ones who have the stories behind how those numbers come about. So one of the things that happens in open book management is we're actually going to manage those numbers. And it's through a process of weekly forecasting. So you've got your plan in front of you. And what will happen is, let's just say, you know, we're at the beginning of June right now as we record this, and we have a weekly huddle. We know what the plan says that we're looking to do in June, both from a sales perspective, a gross profit perspective, a net profit perspective. Every line on that scorecard, as we call it, is going to have an owner. And at our first huddle of the month, that line owner, so say that line owner owns uh, uh, brewery ingredients, they're going to forecast based off of what the sales forecast is, 
they're going to forecast what that line item is going to be at the end of the month of June. So, and, and that happens for every line of the PL. Now, so some of you may out there think, oh my God, our, our PL is 300 lines long. Well, what ends up happening, you condense that all down so that you've only got a scorecard that may be a max of 20 lines or so, right? You're going to combine a lot. Um, and so you're only forecasting 20 lines. Now it's all wrapped up into that. Uh, so a week goes by, results are coming in because of things, sales are happening, um, purchases are being made, uh, beer is being brewed. And so you get to your second week of the month, you've got your next huddle, you've got more information now, you still know what the plan is, you know what last week's forecast was, things have happened in the past week, so you're all going to forecast again. What do we think now is going to be our ending number for the month of June? And you repeat that, you do it again the third week, you do it again the fourth week. And when you're actively forecasting what you think is going to happen based on the information you have, now you can begin to impact those numbers. Because if you know plan is X and you're off of X by X amount of dollars or a percentage, then you can say, well, what do we need to commit to to helping get to what plan is. And all of a sudden you can now have specific actions that go back to the rest of the team to say, hey, this is our focus for the coming week, the coming two weeks in order for us to help meet that plan. So it becomes more of an option of how can I impact the future versus, oh, let's take a look back, right? The financials came out, uh, May ended, it's now the third week of June. We just finally got our actuals. And now we see what happened in May, but we have no clue what's happening in June yet because we're not gonna know that for another four weeks. And so the opportunity to forecast where you think you're gonna be and to work towards that is a fabulous way to work the plan. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. It's really one of the fundamental flaws of you know traditional accounting because exactly what you just said, you're getting information too late to do anything about it for the prior month and frankly, too late to do about it, do anything about it for the month that you're in. So I think that's a really smart system is to have. Now it takes time, right? It takes time, training, education, <laughs> discipline. We were talking a little, a little bit about discipline before we started recording. Um, but one, so one of the things about time, Carrie, is yeah. that... Uh, when companies first start doing this, uh, we call it poor casting poor because casting. it will take it will take you six plus months to really start dialing in your forecast to where the actuals end up being darn close to what your forecast is. And the reason for that is it, it takes time to like anything it's practice, right? Mm -hmm. You have to, where are you getting your information from? What are the assumptions that you're making? Uh, when people first start doing it, they don't even know where to get the numbers to give themselves some insight to what it could be. Mm -hmm. So 
it'll take five, six, seven months to start really getting better at it. However, once you've got that practice and you've been doing it for a while and you, you're learning and figuring things out, uh, you can start hitting your forecasts to be probably no more than plus or minus five, 10% of what actual is. Mm -hmm. And that's powerful. If you can make a forecast and then you can impact that forecast to that actual, wow, right? That's, that's huge. Yeah, that's the name of the game. That's the uh, self-actualization of, uh, of your financial planning, right? Good way to put it, yes. <laughs> you hit the apex. Well, let's shift and talk about compensation. So people, I know with open book management, there's ways to tie compensation or bonus structure to these financial outcomes that you're asking everybody to kind of focus on. Maybe it's not uh, essential, but you know, it's, it's very often done. So maybe speak to that compensation structure. How, how does it work within open book? How do you think about that? And what do you, what do you advocate for? One of the first questions that owners will often ask when you talk about open book and being very uh, transparent with financials is that they get concerned about compensation. And, and well, is, is that an open book too? And no, it doesn't have to be. That uh, certainly on the PL and a, a line owner very well may have wages as one of the things they're predicting. But again, it's all wrapped up into one number. And so there's no requirement that you share with everybody what each individual's wages are. Um, if you want to, right? Okay. There's definitely companies out there that will that do that, but you don't have to. So in terms of compensation, part of what makes uh, open book management and the great game valuable is, is really the third leg, which is um, where you empower people to feel like an owner because owners will get compensated when there is success and profit for the company. So likewise, employees who are feeling like owners are going to get compensated for the success of the company. And what that looks like under a great game model is, you know, a lot of times people will have a profit sharing plan, right? We're going to make a profit. We're going to share some of that with the employees. With, with, with a great game open book company, we call it gain share because when you're in business, you've got to make profit simply to stay in business. And what do you do with some of that profit, right? Well, there's taxes to be paid. There's capital expenditures to make if you're looking at growing. There are, uh, well, there's shareholders perhaps in the company who are looking for some dividends or some kind of a payout. So you've got a whole bunch of things that you have to attend to simply to keep the company growing and to keep the company competitive. So what happens as a part of that planning process is you say, well, here's the level of profit that the company has to have simply to be viable and competitive. Um, and we'll, let's just say that that number is 5%. We got to have 5% profit off of the, uh, off of growth, our, our sales and revenue. So then where the bonus and the gain share comes in is that if the company makes whatever the company makes above that level, 
that's what is then shared with employees. And so you're keeping the company healthy. And then above that, you share with employees. And it can, there's definitely some more complicated, it's not so much complicated, it is, uh, there's a structure about it. So there's different levels that you can create so that uh, you, you reach different levels, you get different payouts, right, that go up. And that's one of the powers of the, that forecasting that we were talking about earlier. Because a part of that forecasting, when you forecast those numbers, you can get to uh, you can get to the say you're in your first quarter and you get in you're two months in you've got three weeks left in the quarter and you're looking at what that bottom profit number is you know your gain share is based off of that employees can see oh we're we're here at this number oh, look at that. If we can only do, if, if we can gain $6,000 more in profit, we're going to advance to that next level of gain share. And maybe that's an extra $150, $200 in everybody's pocket. So all of a sudden, people see where they could be and they start looking for how can we make that happen? And that is beneficial to the employee. It's also beneficial to the company. Mm-hmm. Everybody wins, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it, it was a, I think it was a Charlie Munger quote. He says, you know, if you want to, something to the effect of, if you want to influence, you know, people's behavior, look to the incentives. So, what incentives are you providing? And then what outcomes are you getting? If you're not getting the outcomes you want, maybe look at the incentives. So, I like the way you said that sort of gain share. The company needs a certain baseline to do to meet its its basic obligations, but over and above, which is what we're trying to get to, then everybody can can benefit from that. So that's very cool. So the, the concept is awesome, and then obviously it's the execution and the details, and you know getting all that buy in. But if you start with that basic framework, you know I think you get really something really cool to to work on there. Yeah, definitely. So before we wrap, I wanted I would. I'm curious what you, where do you go for information? So what uh, industry publications, resources, and this could be, this can be open book management related. I know you mentioned a uh, great game. So any books, resources, websites that you would suggest people check out? Oh, um, okay, Carrie, this is where you're going to pause it. Cause I got to go grab this book. Cause it's a fabulous <laughs> book. And I can't remember the title. I'll be right back. Yeah, go for it. Okay. So in terms of some resources, um, definitely recommend a book called uh, Financial Intelligence, A Manager's Guide to Knowing What the Numbers Really Mean. Mm -hmm. It's written by Karen Berman and Joe Knight. And uh, they've they've got a website as well. Uh, They do a lot of financial training with companies and, and working with employees in companies to help give them employees insight to the financials. Um, but this is a fabulous book because it really helps you understand what financial statements are and what they're telling you. And they do it in a very conversational, not using, they have to use some accounting terms here and there, but they, and they make it simple. Um, they, they also have, I don't know if you can find it still, you probably can when you, you search online, they have a, a, uh, a graphic novel uh, that 
is uh, a very shortened edition of helping to understand uh, the uh, financial statements, but definitely uh, this financial intelligence. Um, I would also suggest uh, the Great Game of Business has a blog that comes out uh, on a fairly regular basis. And there's usually, there's a lot of good information in there, um, especially about open book management in general, and also some uh, you know, business topics and conversations about how do we how do we deal with these different things? Like right now, I know they're really focusing on shortages because it's what a lot of businesses are dealing with, whether it's people shortages or whether it's shortages supply chain related. Um, well, you know, cash shortages are probably an issue too here and there. Uh, so those are a couple places. The blog, I would imagine, is you know a place you can kind of go back to and see and see regular updates and things like that. Let me hit you with the final question. Like if people, you know, are digging what you're, we're talking about here, they're picking up what you're putting down. Um, they want to learn more about what you do or maybe get in touch with you. How, what's the best way for them to do that? Sure. Uh, best way is to email me, Larry at Larry.coach. Larry. I love it. Larry at Larry.coach. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a website yet. I'm actually working on a landing page at the moment uh, to, to have that up and going. If you want to learn more about the great game business, uh, greatgame.com uh, mm-hmm. will definitely give you lots of insight there. Uh, and uh, Or call me, uh, 515-450-7853 uh, is my phone number. Happy to, happy to take calls, too, if you want to learn more or just to chat uh, because – one of the things that I have fun about the brewing industry is simply learning uh, from people and learning what their struggles are in the brewing business and how they are approaching some of those struggles and uh, what they've learned. So that's awesome. Well, great. Thanks for sharing that. And I'm, I'm sure if people are interested, uh, they'll reach out and can talk more. I mean, open book management, very cool, definitely within the context of financial planning and financial literacy and all that good stuff. And it's so important right now, right? I mean, as you said, there's shortages of every kind and cash shortages are particularly painful and this type of training can really help with it. So I appreciate you taking the time and sharing your knowledge with everybody. Thank you, Larry. Oh, it's my pleasure. Always good to talk with you, Carrie. Thank you for listening to the Craft Brewery Financial Training Podcast, where we combine beer and numbers so that you can improve financial results in your brewery. For more resources, tools, guides, and online courses, visit craftbreweryfinancialtraining.com. And don't forget to sign up for the world-famous Craft Brewery Financial Training Newsletter. Until next time, get out there and improve financial results in your brewery today.